Happy February 1st. And we're no longer in January. That's right. We're heading into February. I'm excited for March. <laughs> well, I know you don't like February. I don't like February. No, that sounds like just a downer and I'm so negative, but. I get, I, January just gets so long for me because usually it's a cold month without a lot of snow. And I, if it's going to be cold, I just assume it's snow. At least in February, it seems like we get more snow. Yeah, I don't want to hear that, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, we're in Ephesians chapter two today, and we're going to be in Proverbs chapter one. So hopefully you have your Bibles. If you're driving, I hope you don't have your Bibles and your eyes are fixed on the road. We'll read it to you. It's Ephesians chapter two. Dad, you want to start? You bet. Verse one, once you were dead because of your disbelief and many, your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the, the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And this is a good verse for those who sometimes say, you know, I'll ask people, you know, when do you become a believer? You know, you've been coming to church and talk about Jesus. And like, oh, I've always been one. And no, no, no. It's impossible. This, yeah. The, the, Paul says right here, no, you were once dead. There was a time when you were dead and you came to life. Yeah, there has to be a time when you pass from death into life. Yeah. And and, it, and I think it's important for us to examine ourselves in real honesty to, to ask the question, not just because I think what most people mean when they say that is that they can't remember a time when they didn't believe in God or believe that yeah. Jesus was real. But has there been a time when spiritually you passed from death into life, when you received that gift of eternal life from him yeah. when you were saved? And you may, it's not, we don't base our salvation on the calendar. We base it on God's word. Yeah. But I think it's important for us to do that self-analysis and to know this is really when that change occurred, when God yeah. transformed my life. Well, I'm glad you said you don't base it on the calendar because personally, I look back at my life and I'm like, I know I've went from death to life. I'm, it, I, I can't pinpoint a day, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. You know, I remember being six and praying a prayer. I don't remember if that was yeah. just a prayer, a generic prayer, if that was actually a prayer of salvation. I know it's happened, but I can't pinpoint that exact time for, for myself. Yeah, and I and I think that the most important thing is that we have to know. We, the, first, the, the the real questions to ask ourselves is: Do we understand our sinfulness, and that I'm lost, completely lost, apart from God? Do I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again? And I am I putting my complete faith and trust in Him for my salvation? And because of that, because of what Jesus did, do I know that I'm going to heaven? Yeah. Those are the questions. And if you're not sure, then just do what Paul said in Romans 10: Just ask Him to save you, and He promised right. He would. But there was once a time when you were dead. And he says, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. That's in the rest of verse three. Yep. And that's because God is a good God. And because he's a good God, he is just. He has a holy hatred for sin because sin is what takes us, his crowning creation away from him. And so, of course, he's got that righteous anger towards sin. And that's because he is a good, he wouldn't be a good God if sin did not make him angry. Yeah. Verse four, but God, those are my two favorite <laughs> words. We're not going very fast, are we? But God, <laughs> my two favorite verses, I think in all the New Testament, because we were dead in our sins. And there was a time when I felt that on the inside, just dead, but God. Yeah, we didn't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We didn't will ourselves into like rightness with God. It was all God. It can never be because of what we have done. It is because of what he has done. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. That's that union with Christ in his resurrection. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ 
and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. In other words, in a sense, even those of us that are alive on the earth today, we are in that spiritual sense seated with Christ in heaven because we are united with Christ. There again, that's that union with Christ we talked about yesterday. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ I love Jesus. That. I love that picture. So God can point at us. Almost like we're almost like trophies of his yeah. in the sense of, you know, look how gracious I am. Look at Scott Ziegler. Look at Junior. Like, Look at my child. They're my children. Yeah. And look what I've done in their life. Look how gracious they I am. They were a mess, but look at they're all cleaned up. That's and- right. All right, verse eight then. This is famous verses here. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So we are saved completely by, it's, the word grace is the same word for gift. It's completely a gift of God. He gifts us his forgiveness, his salvation. We only need to believe to receive it. And verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece, which Junior, that's the second part of that because it's yeah. not just, we, and our good works can't save us, but right. if we are saved, yeah. Good works are going to follow. Yeah, it's like my favorite, uh, one of my favorite artists, Rich Mullins, died in the late 90s, but he had said, faith without works is about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. It was kind of a hokey song, yeah, but it was it a was. great truth. Yeah, that when you have faith, the works follow. Now, those works don't give you salvation. It's by faith in Jesus Christ, but the works follow. And they do indicate, those good works do indicate that there really is salvation. Because when we're saved... We're saved to good works. It goes on, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. That's those good works, those good things he planned for us long ago. All right, you want to pick up in verse 11? Yeah, he writes, don't forget you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now this church was in Ephesus, Turkey, would have been mainly Greek. And so it would have been mainly, if not all, Gentiles. Mm -hmm. He says, you guys are outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. Man, what a let's thing talk, to be proud of. Yeah, let's talk about circumcision for a second. <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> I, in fact, we just brought it up. I crossed my legs. <laughs> but it was the mark of, of, this is what Paul is saying. It was yeah. the mark of, this is what it is to be Jewish. And you guys weren't, weren't that at all. Even, they were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You're excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant of the promises God had given to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And they, had no, they just had no clue. They had no clue about how God had communicated and spoken to the Jews. Well, like us, I mean, how, how true is that for, some, for all of us? You, know, you lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. We see that again. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And this is interesting because while he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, there was that, that separation, animosity, and enmity, and which 
is sourced in enmity between people and God. And when there's enmity between people and God, there's going to be enmity between different people groups. And you find it depending on what the culture is and the location. It doesn't matter. I mean, here in America, there's a lot of hostility right now with political frac- factions and some ethnicities. And, and it's just it, the, the division is just like it has been in all of human history, only for different reasons and in different ways and different cultures. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is people divide themselves because they're divided from God. And the answer to that is the answer he's giving us here. That is at the cross of Christ. Yeah. When we are united together with Christ, that brings us together as people. And that speaks volumes because how many times do Christians get together and we argue and we get pretty heated about all the factors that are dividing people and solutions. But it's pretty clear in scripture, the solution is Jesus Christ. That is what brings unity. Verse 15, he did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And so there is no one group that's better than the other. Even when it comes to the Jews having been God's chosen people, Paul is saying it's all one and the same. If we were followers of Jesus, we're followers of Jesus, and that is all that matters. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. That's a Massive statement right there. Yeah, because the temple, that was everything to the Jews. It was yeah. the dwelling place of God. Yeah. I mean, it, even today, you go to Jerusalem today and they still, they're at the Wailing Wall because that's- Where the was, temple was. It was where the temple was. Josephus said it was the most beautiful human construction on the planet at the time that, you know, and he'd been all over the world. And Paul here is saying, no, the most beautiful structure is the one that God is making here right now by bringing people together. We are the dwelling place of God as his body the church. Yeah, which which says, you better be careful how you talk about the church. Be careful about bashing the church. He finishes up verse 22. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Awesome stuff there. Well, yep. we are, uh, we're going to be over in Proverbs 1 now because we're starting over. And I know it, it may seem, well, this is kind of odd that we're just reading the same thing again, but repetition. And there's so much in Proverbs. By reading it one time, you just you just don't get it. I've been reading it since I was 18 years old, and I, I still gain all kinds of insight from him. Yeah. Well, if we're looking at this, and we want to pick out one specific verse that yeah. can be really helpful. Verse, I think verse 10 is one. Yeah, that, verse 10. I love verse 10. He says, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. So you don't need to stand there and consider it. You don't even need to pray about it. I mean, it's good to pray, You don't of need course. to argue you with them. You don't need to pray about it. You need to argue about it. You don't need to go get wise counsel. Turn your back on sinners. Surround yourself with the right people. It makes all the difference in the world. And keep yourself from the people that take you down. Again, it makes all the difference in the world. All right. Well, first day of February, let's start out good. It might not be the best month in the world. Maybe you like it. That's great. But <laughs> let's uh, start it out on a, on a good note. Make so it a good, good day. Yeah, so good to be with you all. And look forward to being with you again tomorrow.